Hi friend, let's be honest. If you're anything like me, your life probably feels busy, crazy, and full. But even in the midst of the day-to-day, and no matter what life stage you're currently in, maybe you find yourself constantly longing for something deeper, something real. Maybe like me, you wonder about things like restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. In truth, I am on an imperfect journey of pursuing Jesus Christ and what it looks like to find those things in a relationship with Him. It's a journey I committed to years ago when I dedicated my life to following Christ, and it's a journey I invite friends to explore with me, even if, and honestly, especially if, you're not sure what path you're on. So for those who are skeptical, curious, or just need some encouragement, well, this podcast is for you. Come along with me as we journey together towards finding something real. Welcome back to the Finding Something Real podcast. Thanks for listening today. This is the episode where we're wrapping up things for 2019. You can insert a corny joke about Christmas and wrapping paper if you want right there. (laughs) Anyway, this is a special episode because it is the last one for 2019 and also the final episode in our current series on ish, identity, and impetus. I'm also recording solo today. One thing before I get started that I'm excited to announce is that the Finding Something Real podcast is scheduled to be back in 2020, yay, (laughs) with new episodes. I've started working on the direction and content and things are starting to come together for that. And I'm looking forward to sharing more about that with you in a couple weeks. So my goal is to make an announcement in my January email right around New Year's. So if you've already downloaded either the Joyful Giving Project printable this month or the Finding Something Real study guide for this series, then you should be on the email list already. If you're not sure, you can sign up again, and I promise I'll try my best not to send you multiple emails because that's really annoying. (laughs) But I do say try because internet technology and I are not always on the friendliest terms, but I'm hoping to get some help in that department very soon. So moving on. I hope, friend, that you found this podcast um, just to be a loving encouragement and positive challenge to you, no matter what path you're on or where you are in your journey. Um, I hope it's reminded you of deeper things, things that matter, uh, redemption, eternity, authenticity, and love. I wanted to start by sharing a quote by Francis Chan, and he's the author who wrote Crazy Love, a book that has had a tremendous uh, impact on me. He says, we never grow closer to God when we just live life. It takes deliberate pursuit and attentiveness. I know sometimes life moves so fast, it's hard to pause long enough to pursue or think about those things that really matter. And perhaps no other season reminds me of this being the case than the Advent season. The time of year that is supposed to be all about love and eager anticipation, all about the reminder of an eternal God who stepped into time to lower himself as an infant to a dirty stable with nothing but some rough shepherds and maybe some filthy animals to greet him. Maybe a teenage mom who was scared. I have no idea. You know, those fancy wise men didn't show up till later, (laughs) but 
Christmas is the time when we should be declaring joy to the world and peace on earth. A time when, as the lyrics to that old Christmas song go, born that man no more may die, born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. Christmas is absolutely a reminder of the miracle of God with us, Emmanuel, God with us. His birth is a piercing crescendo in the greatest story ever told, that story of something real, redemption, eternity, authenticity, and love. And it should resonate with us, right? And as an aside, uh, do yourself a favor if uh, if you want to. Um, you can press pause as you're listening to this or, or wait and listen to it later. But if you've never heard of Rend Collective, it's R-E-N-D Collective. I love their music. And they have a Christmas album that a friend told me about. And they have a rendition of Hark the Herald Angels Sing that's so beautiful. It's a worship song. They've made a Christmas carol that I've heard hundreds of times into this beautiful worship song. So it's a beautiful reminder of what Christmas is all about. And that is what I want it to be all about. But guess what, friend? Most of the time, it's not what it feels like it's about. Instead, I'm dealing with the crazy life that is the month of December and all the things. And I get so easily entangled by it. And (laughs) every year I mean for it to be different. And every year it's a struggle. And I don't know how many of you watched the SNL Macy's skit, but um, for those of you who have children, um, (laughs) you may know, as do I, that there was finally some truth in advertising in that parody Uh, that SNL did. And I can't tell you how many clothes we've bought that my children won't wear without huge fights or arguments. The gloves we've purchased that get lost within a week, the hard shoes that look great in pictures, but hurt like crazy. All truth. It's just part of the Christmas season that's upon us right now. And it's a hard time of year. And maybe your crazy looks a little different this year. Maybe you're not a parent or even an official adult yet. But I bet you've had some brand of what I'm talking about, some kind of distraction, some kind of crazy. For us, we've got Christmas cards that were ordered on time but are still sitting on the kitchen table mocking me. My adorable children, whom I love very much, but who are driving me insane with their constant whining and fighting about things that don't really matter, like who's going to use the scotch tape and scissors and repeated loud announcements of who's being naughty. And I get distracted by the never-ending laundry and the wrapping gifts that I no longer want to even let them have. And all these things, the chocolate that I keep finding around the house and ends up permanently attached to my thighs, all that. And it's just life. (laughs) It's life. And life is funny sometimes and it's messy and it's painful and it feels like it will never end. And unless... You've been reminded of loss recently and a piercing loss. Sometimes life just feels like these crazy, messy, hilarious, ridiculous things will go on forever. Because this Christmas season, it can be crazy, but it's just in some ways a microcosm of what our lives really are all the time in general. And things like redemption, eternity, authenticity, and love are easy to forget when we're just so busy in the living and the doing. 
And in that busyness, if I don't take time to surrender or to remember, if I don't pause to reflect, if I don't consider what my mission is or who I am or whom I want to live for, I can get pretty out of sorts and pretty bent out of shape fairly quickly. So (laughs) I'm taking a deep pause and I wanted to ask you, what is your mission? What are you living for? We all want something. So what is it that you want more than anything? One of my favorite books is a business book, actually. Um, And it has a funny name. It's called The E-Myth Revisited by Michael Gerber. It's all about why most small businesses fail and what to do about it. It's about goal setting. You see, successful businesses, successful lives are often about vision. It's seeing where you want to go and making the steps necessary to get there. But where is it that you want to go? Because most of us will not arrive somewhere without a plan or directions on how to get there. There's a quote by James K.A. Smith that says, We are oriented by our longings, directed by our desires. So what is it that you want more than anything? Sometimes, if I'm being honest, what my heart really wants is just some rest. (laughs) Uh, to be happy and content, and maybe to use the bathroom by myself for an hour. (laughs) But if things are going off track, and I'm really bogged down by issues, by ish, my identity will start to take a beating. Does yours too? I don't know about you, but I forget who I really am. And I start drowning in self-condemnation Maybe that sounds like, well, I should have done this or I should have done that. Or um, I get down with comparison. Uh, I'll say things like, I wish we had the money to take that trip or look at what they have. Isn't that nice? That kind of thing. Or maybe I get caught up with guilt. Oh, I'm such a failure. Oh, right. And suddenly, if we're not cognizant of it, our thought life is bombarded with ugly lies that have nothing to do with who God says we are and wanting him and everything to do with circumstances and self. And in that place of whirlwind and frustration, I don't know about you, but I get pretty stagnant. I feel pretty insecure and I am tempted to put my feet up and say, that's it. I'm done. I'm checked out. And I don't think I want to do this anymore. (laughs) And to quote something, a euphemism um, for suck that my mother coined, I'm sure other mothers did this too, uh, in circa 1988, uh, sometimes life just vacuums, right? And that's when I consider just quitting. I'll just turn on some Netflix and veg, do a little Amazon shopping, tell my husband, I'm out. And tomorrow will come again, and maybe I'll feel better if someone tells me I'm doing a good job, or if I have something to look forward to, maybe I'll feel like I can adult tomorrow. (sighs) True story. (laughs) But the problem when my life becomes primarily focused on circumstances and self is it creates a vicious cycle that's dependent on things going well and people behaving well, and when something goes wrong my whole life feels just kind of out of whack. And I don't want to live like that all the time. 
I still do. But um, a few years ago, something changed in my life. I had been a Christian for as far back as I can remember. And as I shared in episode one, Jesus has always been important to me. But it wasn't until just a few years ago when I started to wonder if I really believe God, if I really believe he is who he says he is, if I really believe I am who he says I am, then what am I doing? And the way I'm living, doesn't it matter? And I read that book by Francis Chan called Crazy Love. My husband and I started reading our Bible together and starting each day that way. Up until then, we we said that we wanted to read the Bible together. We would pray occasionally together, but it was just hit or miss. And we made it a commitment. That was something we just started to do. And it's not that we are trying to earn God's love, but it was in response to recognizing, no, we really believe him. So let's live it. Let's live in response to that love that he has for us. And we started to trust him and step out in faith on some things. And um, it made a difference. And there are days that I still get focused on the crazy and let that be the center of my universe. But I don't want that for my life. I was recently telling someone that I'm afraid of wasting my life. And that person kind of laughed at me. She said, aren't you writing a book and doing a podcast and doing X, Y, and Z? And honestly, I didn't say this. I didn't know how to respond in the moment. Um, And I know she meant well, but what we do in this life, if things like redemption, eternity, authenticity, and love really are the most important things, if worshiping God with our lives is the most important thing, then I don't believe that anything we do really matters except for the heart posture behind why we do them. Because I don't care if I'm trying to write a book or doing a podcast or speaking to a crowd or whatever. Let's say I become a best-selling author someday and traveled the world speaking to young people and women about Jesus and finding something real in their lives with him. Maybe a dream come true, right? But none of that matters if I'm not finding that real thing with Christ on my own. And it doesn't mean it might not look messy. And it doesn't mean there aren't mixed motivations in doing things. It just means I want him. I want him and I want to serve him with my life. In fact, the Apostle Paul mentioned this in a letter to the church at Corinth when he said, what if I could speak all languages of humans and of angels? If I did not love others, I would be nothing more than a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. What if I could prophesy and understand all secrets and all knowledge? And what if I had faith that moved mountains? I would be nothing unless I loved others. What if I gave away all I owned? I would gain nothing unless I loved others. That's the contemporary English version. I believe that's in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. This is the truth. Some of the most amazing followers of Christ that I know who are living fully surrendered to him have no recognition this side of heaven. In fact, they're doing jobs that most people wouldn't want to do, and they're doing them in Jesus's name and giving him glory with their quiet lives of service, and they're doing it for nobody but God to see. It's not a pretty picture on Instagram or Facebook. It's not about being shouted about on Twitter. It's not getting them anything except treasures in heaven. 
I love talking to people about what they're doing to share Jesus with the world. And sometimes it can take the form of a speaking or writing career, but that should be the outflow of something greater that's already inside. Because more often than not, it looks like sharing grief with someone when no one else is watching. It's cleaning up fecal matter or diapering that no one sees. It's a dinner invitation to someone who's lonely or is shivering in the cold with someone who needs the warmth of your words and your love in just that moment. It's that praise and worship time in the morning that nobody but God sees. Each of us has something unique that God has entrusted to us to share with the world for such a time as this. And your story probably looks different than mine. But if you're anything like me, maybe sometimes you question <laughs> what you're doing. A couple of years ago, we moved to a new town and God had put it on my heart to get serious about writing. I used to write as a child all the time and I'd received some rewards through my childhood, but I had pursued other things, things that I thought were more noble <laughs> and I'd always wanted to be a storyteller and I thought writing was something I would do at some point, but I kept putting it off for various reasons and insecurities. And finally, I'd been pursuing a career in photography and I remember just feeling like it was striving, like it was trying so hard to prove something to people. And I felt this nudge on my heart that if it, I did not surrender that business then I would never know what God would do with the communication gift he had entrusted to me. And I'm not saying that if you have a business or if you love photography, that's striving. But for me, it was in that season in my life, it had become almost an idol for, idol for me. It was, um, I have to make money. I have to be able to help my family. I have to uh, do this so that way I can look productive or um, be successful. And at the time, I did not know <laughs> if I could really surrender all of that. Um, I still had diaper-clad kids. I was still the wife with a master's degree, not making any money. And I felt insecure about, um, because what will people think, you know? I hate to tell you that, but that's true. In my heart, I'm just thinking, ah, oh, really? <laughs> like writing? <laughs> I don't know. Shouldn't I be do, doing something to help my husband more um, financially or something that looks good to the outside world? So I just started writing a little on my own. I didn't share it with anybody. Um, I set aside a time one day a week to go do the work. And ironically, my photography actually became a bartering tool that I used for childcare. Um, and I went to a local coffee shop one morning a week and sat down. But after a while, I started getting distracted by things, good things, um, people and relationships and commitments to nonprofit organizations. And I overcommitted myself to the point where the writing wasn't really happening anymore. I kept telling myself the next step was to go to a writer's conference because if I was serious about becoming a writer, then maybe I needed to get some further direction and I read an article that encouraged me to do that. And I looked a couple um, writing conferences up. And I probably spent more time talking with people and researching writers conferences than I did actually doing the writing. And honestly, inside, I started to feel like a failure, like I had missed what I was supposed to be doing. Um, 
I felt like a person who couldn't make up her mind whether she was a writer or a social butterfly. And we went to church one Sunday and our pastor said something like this. He said, how do you know if something's good or God? If it's good, it's something you make happen. If it's God, it's an opportunity he provides. And I thought to myself as I was sitting there, is the writing something I'm just trying to make happen? Uh, It feels impossible. And honestly, there was part of me that began to wonder, am I trying to make something happen that just isn't meant to be? Like, I, I did this for you, God in my mind, right? Like I did this because I thought you were leading me here and this whole year, nothing's really happened. I've gone to this coffee shop. I've met people. I've invested in relationships instead of doing the actual thing. And a few days later, I truly believe it was just a few days later after hearing that message, um, I was sitting down talking with a friend and we were talking about the coffee shop and possible volunteers for the nonprofit she was helping manage at the time. And I, she was helping manage a particular part of the um, nonprofit. And I mentioned a barista who seemed really nice and maybe might make a great volunteer for what she had going. And my friend looked at me and said, do you know who she's married to? And to make a long story short, after my friend left, I Googled my coffee barista's husband. He was an award-winning Christian author who had just so happened to be on the faculty of one of the writers' conferences that I'd been looking at. I went to his website, and when I saw his about page, where he talked about self-doubt and his spouse's encouragement and having pursued other things before following the desire God had put on his heart for many years, listen, I cried. (laughs) I nervously emailed him and wondered if he would even reply. And not long after that, we were having coffee at the same coffee shop I'd been going to, feeling so alone in my writing, so wandering aimlessly. And his name is James L. Rubart. He's won multiple Christie Awards. At the time, he was co-hosting a podcast, emceeing, and he speaks at various conferences. And he sat down for over an hour. He encouraged me to keep writing and that God had designed me to tell stories only I could tell. He shared from personal experience and wisdom. He even read some of my writing. And before he left, I asked him about the conference I was thinking of going to in the Midwest and um, that I knew he was going to be at. And I also mentioned one closer by in Oregon that I was thinking of going to because an author that had, had inspired me when I was a teenager was going to be Um, the keynote speaker, and maybe I should go to that one. And he encouraged me to go to that one. And then he said um, he would introduce me to his friends because he would be there too. And I couldn't believe God could write such a sweet story on my life like that. And Jim, if you ever do listen to this, thank you. Thank you for being such an encouragement to me. And I hope I get to pay it forward. Um, Because what Jim did for me that day was he encouraged me in my journey. He encouraged me uh, that only um, God could use me in the way that God wants to use me. And I just want to encourage you if you're listening, God wants to use you and the gifts he's given you to bless others, to be an encouragement to others, to be a gift to others. There are times I can get so caught up with my own head, my own insecurities, my own crazy life, Sometimes uh, I wonder if I'm doing a good job in the other areas of my life, taking care of my family and um, 
sometimes all of that wondering and those insecurities and that self-doubt and the condemnation, like I said, it can leave us stagnant. But I've decided I am on a mission and missions are sometimes messy. My mission is to love God and to love others. And if for me, some of that looks like writing and speaking, then I want to own that and not be afraid of it or be afraid and do it anyway. So I hope that little story encourages you in some way. Um, I could tell you a lot more about my journey, but I'll save some of that for a different time. Just know that if you're going through a season where you feel God has laid a burden on your heart and you are compelled to move in a certain direction, but you're scared or questioning your abilities or wondering if you heard right, listen, just follow him. Start moving in faith, in love for him and others and see what he does along the way because he is faithful. Love is something all of us are capable of giving. And when God's unconditional, powerful love touches each of our lives, we are compelled into action. We can't sit still. We have to move. It's not even an option. The power of God compels us. And there are lots of scriptures I could share about that. But just know that doing stuff for God isn't about getting his favor. Doing stuff for God is an outflow of knowing his love for each one of us. That is the force that moves the body. That is impetus. It is a force that moves us into action to the world around us. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Because the story of Christmas is that in this dark world, light came down. And that light that God gave us on Christmas is the same light he gives to anyone who follows him. And just as it says in his word, you can't light a lamp and hide it. You go and you shine it. And you shine it by loving well. And maybe you're listening to this right now and you're thinking, I don't know how to shine my light. And I have too many issues, too many questions about my identity. I don't know if I can move forward with anything right now. And I just want to encourage you, the Christian walk is a journey. And if you still have some issues that get in the way, you desire to embrace your identity in Christ, but it's messy and you just want to move forward and love to those around you, well, welcome to the club, but let's keep moving. <laughs> in the book of Chronicles in the Bible, it says, for the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. On episode 15 with Justin and Griffin Benedict, Justin briefly talked about Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, which says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. God wants all our hearts. He is looking for hearts that are fully committed to him. And if your journey towards finding something real feels especially messy or hard right now, <sighs> Ask God to show you anything that you might be holding on to or not allowing him access in something that I need to do often. <laughs> I don't want to waste my life just getting through. I don't want to come to the end of my years here and wonder if I missed the point. 
But like Justin and Griffin touched on last week, we won't miss our calling if we're giving God our being. Pastor John Piper inspired me with a story he told of a sign that was in his house while he was growing up. I actually have the same saying in my home. It's on the wall in the pretty room in the middle of some forced family (laughs) pictures and a clock that is broken but costs too much to repair. And I have it sharpied on a Hobby Lobby wood arrow. And it says, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. I want to remember that. And I want to move with that reminder. This podcast has been about overcoming various obstacles to get in our way to embrace our identity in Christ and move forward with the force his Holy Spirit provides and gives. It's been about a journey towards redemption and restoration, eternity eternity, authenticity, and love. It's been about pursuing loving God and what that looks like in practical ways. Every guest has blessed me with their stories. When I started this podcast, I naturally (laughs) kept wanting to focus on me. What if I couldn't do this thing? Who did I think I was starting a podcast? And what would so-and-so think? And now, honestly, I just think what a blessing to be able to have honest conversations with real people who are just trying to live out loud their faith in various ways to encourage others. And I'm grateful and encouraged by their example. And I've loved sharing that with you. Um, finally, thank you, listener, <laughs> whoever you are, wherever you are. Thank you for listening these past few months. Thank you for letting me try something new. Thank you for your feedback and encouragement. Um, Some of you have reached out or left reviews on Apple, and I'm so grateful. Some of you have texted me. Thank you for taking the time to help make this project better. I couldn't possibly list everyone, but to my beloved girls, (laughs) near and far, who dare to tell me what they really think, you know who you are. Extra thanks to you. Until next time.